Sigal. <laughs> welcome to Let's Talk Native. I am John Kane, and I welcome you on this Saturday, March 14th. Uh, while this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage, and in some cases, start conversations. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers, and we don't do buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, survival, and, and we talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way, but our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all the deceived upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation, live from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind you that our audio streams on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show on our Facebook group page and a bunch of other group pages via Facebook Live. We take the audio we put up on soundcloud which puts it out onto all your favorite podcast platforms so you can subscribe to let's talk native with john kane uh we take the video and we put it up on our youtube channel which is let's talk native tv so i encourage you to subscribe to that as well uh on our facebook group page we're like only about 20 people or so away from uh, hitting 8,000. So I'd like to get our uh, Let's Talk Native TV YouTube channel, um, get some more subscribers there. Um, but anyway, that's where you can check out uh, check out the show. Um, look, I'm, I'm well, first off, I'm the host and producer of the show. I'm joined here in studio by Jake Proud, who's managing our audio and our video. Um, let me get into it. Topic of the show, I called it COVID-1492. Now, I know that could sound confusing, so I'm going to explain. Coronavirus is a family of viruses that gets its name. The word corona, it isn't from the Mexican beer. No, it's from the uh, Spanish or Latin word for crown. Um, So, And it's called that because if you look at the virus under a microscope or any of the coronaviruses, including COVID-19, it looks um, like a round ball with, with spikes out of it. So if you look at it from the perimeter, it looks like a, a corona. It looks like a crown. So it is a, it's named after its appearance of, uh, of, a, of a crown. Now, what I'm calling COVID-1492 is a plague that comes from the crown. It doesn't look like a crown. It comes from the crown. Which crown? Well, let me put it this way. It comes from the crowns of Europe, the Christian nations of Europe. So when I talk about COVID-1492, I'm talking about the plague that is assimilation, that is the, the genocide. And it can, in many ways, there's some parallels. You can, you can compare what has happened to uh, Turtle Island, to, to the entire Western Hemisphere. In fact, other places where uh, European colonialism has, uh, has put its foothold. But today in particular, understanding what's happening with the COVID-19, that coronavirus, um, it, it gives some insight as to how devastatingly uh, impactful um, my, my, my made-up virus, <laughs> my, my made-up disease, corona for, or, uh, COVID-1492, how much assimilation has weakened us as, as indigenous people. And, and I don't mean just made us weak as individuals, but as a people, when you, when you consider how devastating assimilation has impacted our people um, in everything. So whether you're talking about the things that I always talk about, things like church, um, language, uh, you know, our 
enlistment in, in armed forces. I mean, how much we've become Americanized. How much on the Canadian side, Native people have, have bought into. I mean, you hear it slip, right? You hear it all the time when people say our country, when they're talking about Canada or the United States. And, and, and I, when they're talking, they're not, if, if when people said our country, they meant the land, that would be one thing. But when you hear people talk about their president or their, or their prime minister, now you're, you're not talking about just the land. Now you're talking about slipping into this, you know, this, this colonizing um, uh, effort that, to, to change us and to make us, to subjugate us. We slip into that. And, and look, it, all of us do. <clears throat> and I'm not saying beyond all of us having uh, uh, been affected by assimilation, which we, we clearly all have. I mean, I'm speaking English here, so I mean, we clearly all have. But it's one thing to to see the effects of that assimilation, but it's another thing when you see the subjugation part of it. And so, I want to talk about that, and and I want to talk about how it's how it is actually going to present ourselves in what is happening with this COVID nineteen. But first, let's let's take a look, little look. I mean, think about the things that we've we've been uh, covering on, on this program. So. The Wet'suwet'en conflict. I mean, that is the imposition of infrastructure going through our lands. That's a direct result of colonization. And and you know what? We have people amongst us that are in favor of that kind of stuff. Not just band councils either. What, there was this other group. They called themselves the, the Wet'suwet'en Matriarch uh, committee council uh, wmc they were calling themselves and these are women <clears throat> not the women who are fighting this thing not you know not frida and, and some of these uh you know some of these people who have been fighting with the, with the tiny homes and the unistoden camp and no not those women but another group of women who are actually getting paid and and i'll tell you this isn't just about selling out for a dollar this is about assimilation it is it's directly about assimilation Oh, coalition. That's what it is. The, the Wet'suwet'en Matriarchal Coalition. And this is just something made up. But you know what? In every one of our territories, we have these subdivisions, these groups that, that come up with names, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I've seen them create letterheads, like longhouse looking letterheads. And, you know, so we have all of these divisions. And every one of those divisions, it isn't just about divide and conquer. I mean, because we are causing some of these divisions. And why are we doing it? Because the various levels of assimilation, the various levels of COVID-1492 that we've been affected by. So we've been talking about that, right? And we, and we see the divisions and the splits uh, playing out, not only in Tandanega, where some of the, the blockades, you know, got, you know, really made the news, <clears throat> but we're seeing it out in Wet'suwet'en territory. Let's change, let, let's go over to, to Cayuga territory and some of the, of the, the great shows we've done on that. You've got a situation in, in, in Cuba territory where we don't, we aren't even capable of determining our own leadership. We have to default to the federal government. Yeah, this whole BIA beauty contest. And, and look, any of you guys, especially you Cuyugas from Six Nations who want to, you know, somehow distance yourself from the BIA test. No, you're, some of those chiefs and clan mothers were, were, uh, were involved in this too. So I'm sorry if it offends you. This, these are the toes that I'm stepping on. This whole idea of utilizing not grand council, not our own system. I mean, it, Onondaga 
which is so and and Sid Hill who's supposed to be the guy who calls the grand councils I mean or, or you know he's supposed to be essentially that eagle that sits up top right and it's supposed to tend the central fire so we can deal with these things internally <clears throat> no no they're going to use the federal government in fact they're going to use outside law enforcement as Onondaga did back in 1997 I mean this is we have become incapable uh, or, or at least unwilling, if not incapable, of dealing with some of our own issues. And and look, over I mean, yeah, well, what if there's a murder? You know, we could deal with that, but we don't. We don't want to. We don't want to deal with crime and punishment on our territories or, 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 or justice, whatever it would look like. No, we almost accept public law 280, U.S. 232 and 233. We've, even when we say we don't, we do. We do. We emulate them. We create courts on our on our territories that look just like theirs. We create police departments and law enforcement or peacekeepers that look just like theirs. You know, if we just because we we create a native version of their systems doesn't mean we haven't assimilated. It just means we get to put a low a different logo on our shoulder. Our cop cars will have a native logo on it. It's still a cop car for Christ's sake. <clears throat> so this is the experience that that we're all living right now and you know i, I talked to my, my buddy uh, matt hill today and of course we always mix a lot of humor into the conversation when we're talking about very serious subjects but you know he, he made an observation even an observation about going to the grocery store and watching how how this whole thing that is unraveling with this you know you know with things shutting down and 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 people like hoarding toilet paper and you know ridiculous things like that buying you know buying up all the the hand sanitizer i mean but even the groceries you look at the groceries and and i saw shelves barren today you know soups beans all these things just wiped out and and matt made an observation about a woman who was complaining about the price of a can of soup and it's like you know you could make your own soup you could buy beans. You can buy all the materials to make so, and you can make more of it, and you could have it for yourselves. You could freeze it. You could store it. You do whatever you want to do. <clears throat> but you know the convenience. We we too have gotten addicted. We've lost any immunity <clears throat> to the commu- to the uh, to, to buying into the conveniences that the systems around us, the system of capitalism, has provided. I I mean, many people are seeing what's playing out now as a failure in the, uh, of the capitalistic system. And, and it's true. It is. I mean, there is a failure. I mean, there's a failure of a lot of systems here. But are we, are we in particular going to learn something here? And, and I think that's the question. Are, as we figure out our place in dealing with COVID-19, are we going to figure something? Are we going to learn something about <laughs> what I'm calling COVID-1492? Are we going to learn something about about why our distinction is important? Why we need to have some things that that are uniquely only and, and and draw some of that back. I'm not saying we we've got to learn to eat roadkill, although maybe if we get to that place. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying saying that. We, I'm not saying we got to turn the dial back, but we we should at least try. Look, we we have a certain amount of insulation from what happens around us and part of it is because many of our territories are remote compared to where the the rest of the non-native population lives 
Not so much here in Seneca Territory. Buffalo's in the backyard here. I mean, we have we have major uh, non-native populations that live right, right next to us. In many territories, that doesn't exist. Now, that reduces their um, uh, commercial and economic opportunities uh, with something that, that we, you know, we learned how to take advantage of some of that. Yeah, and, and we have experienced a lot of economic opportunities and, and we've and we've pushed them we've we've learned how to market our regulatory advantages utilize sovereignty in a way that gives us a marketing edge and, and we and build economies whether it's about taxes associated with tobacco fuel whatever gate and you know regulation on gaming we, we, we've done those some, some of those things but some places are much more remote or or they have only Pockets, and, and, I, and I've talked about this even as it relates to on the Canadian side, how you look at many of our, our territories, the villages that we live in have been, have been um, you know, manufactured by U.S. or Canadian policy. And crappy little HUD homes, you know, these, these crappy little um, um, residential developments, oftentimes, you know, either low-income housing or trailers, Look, there have been places that entire villages were built by FEMA trailers, trailers that were purchased by FEMA for, you know, floods back in, you know, in the 60s and the 70s and stuff like that. <clears throat> so, yeah, I coughed. I don't have the coronavirus. But this is, is so we know what what our lifestyles have been like in many of our territories. And, and, and I'm not, that includes Seneca territory. Seneca's, they have a whole bunch of houses that were built when when the federal government came in and and literally stole, you know, to the extent that you can steal land. I mean, uh, when they claimed and and condemned 10,000 acres of Seneca land, there were a bunch of those typical types of HUD homes that were built, um, you know, for for Seneca's to move in. Little shoe boxes that, you know, within a few years would become dilapidated they would be infested with mold and all kinds of crappy little homes that's what the american government the u.s government and and the canadian government i mean you look at some of the the villages you know that exist on the on the canadian side and and again if you go into many native territories u.s or canadian side what you would see is the the haves who all worked for tribal or band councils they all live they've got nicer houses <laughs> they, they all have nicer homes um but the the average person didn't now the exception to that was our men who went out and worked in perhaps high steel iron workers you know the trades and brought their brought their money back and but again we couldn't we couldn't uh you know get a mortgage we couldn't borrow money even even if we had the income to support it we had to we had to buy everything we had to build everything ourselves with with the cash on hand that we had and but so when you looked at a lot of the homes you would you would see that you would see either somebody um really diligently worked to build a nice home or they were they languished in in the government funded or the government subsidized homes or the uh, the band councils which also relied on some of those subsidies but managed to be able to do upgrades that nobody else could afford to do that so i mean but but our territories are remote and and they're distinct from the non-native territories so there's a certain insulation you know buffer that that exists on our territories that's a lot less than it used to be and obviously as we've gotten into into more commercial activity economic development 
um, bringing in non-native people to, to shop in our stores and to gamble in our facilities and that kind of stuff. We, we have a lot more interaction. But there's still a social distinction. So we have a little bit of, of, of that, you know, again, that insulation from, from something like this, like a pandemic. It's not to say that it's not going to reach our territories. But it's probably not going to reach. Of course, our populations are smaller. It's probably not going to reach at the levels that it's going to reach the urban environments. You know, the, the cities that, that folks live in um, are where are most vulnerable. That's where you're going to get a rash of these things. And, and of course, you're also going to see, you know, the problems associated with that. You know, hospital beds, you know, shelves, you know, at grocery stores wipe, being wiped out and that kind of thing. But... Knowing that we are a distinct people on distinct parcels of land, you know, you know, small pieces that we've managed to hang on to, and I'm talking about on all of our native territories. Is there something that we are going to learn from this that says, you know what, we need to utilize that distinction. We need to utilize that little bit of insulation we have from the non-native population. And, and it's there. It's there socially. It's there economically. And it's there geographically, politically, too, as well. So how do we learn from this? And, and should we take something away from this? Should we, as, and especially as we now see the, the, the economic um, and the capitalism crash associated with what's going around us because of this coronavirus, uh, COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, are we really, I mean, how are we going to respond to the fact that, uh, that we don't have basketball on tv or hockey or baseball or you know nascar or whatever else i mean are we really going to miss it i mean things that we've brought into our lives and look we bought into a lot of that stuff i mean part of the debate that we have over things like the mascot issue are the few people in our territories that are still dependent and, and feel so enamored by the Washington football team's name or the Cleveland baseball team's name or the Atlanta baseball team's name or the Chicago hockey team's name. I mean, we get sucked into the whole thing too. Now that some of this stuff's going away, are we going to learn something from this? Are we going to say, you know, we didn't really need that into our lives. You know, that's not us. Look, I'm all for our kids playing sports and even pursuing sports in, in not just high school, but in, in college. And if and if our if my kid or grandkid played a, a pro sport, yes, I would support that team. But I still wouldn't get caught up into look. One of the things that that I learned from the whole debacle over uh, Colin Kaepernick, or even the uh, the other basketball team there uh, from uh, Los Angeles, the, the Clippers owner, and some of his racist comments. That stuff is all there. I mean, what I've learned from the, you know, the, racist, the racism that we experience when we say, look, that name that you have for your team is wrong. It changes my whole view of the sports and the, and the use of imagery in sports and, and, and of course, the, the leagues associated with it. So the fact that, that, that that's all gone, you know, I got to tell you, I don't watch them anyway. I'm not going to miss a damn thing. I, I don't care. I, don't, I mean, do I understand the, the economic impact of it? Sure, but it, you know, it shouldn't. It's not going to affect me. It isn't. I, I went to an occasional Bandits lacrosse game, but you know, if I don't go to one, I'm okay with that. So, what about the other things that we're going to be uh, that that we we are now aware of? You know what? Cancel church doesn't matter to me. <clears throat> I'm not going to be impacted by it. If you're telling me that uh, that the state or the county or somebody else says, no, you can't have church church anymore. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> to me, there's a certain thing that I find that a little bit humorous. 
<laughs> I mean, oh ye of little faith. <laughs> if you, what does that say about your faith? If you are afraid to go to church because you're going to get sick, and it also says, you know, it also has a whole like church and state thing. I mean, the idea that the state is going to dictate whether a church can assemble or not, uh, you know, a a parish can assemble. I don't know. It, it, there's there's so many stories, but you know what? Cancel church doesn't matter to me either. I not I'm not big into the big crowd thing, going to concerts and that kind of stuff. It's not our music anyway. I mean, I am concerned that guys like Murray Porter has a couple of gigs canceled. But you know what, Murray, you weren't playing here anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to make it up to Vancouver to see you. But but I do worry about you know it it actually levels the playing field. You know, be, I mean, because it's not just the it's not just the the big stars that are uh, that are being crimped, you know, clamped down on this thing. Our guys who try to bang out, you know, an audience every day. And you know what? They're still they still can do their small appearances. So I don't know. I, I look at some of this stuff, and even you know the hysteria that that you know people have gotten into over things like the groceries that they buy and the things they're buying at the stores. As our activities all change, I mean, I also see how Native people have got caught up into the, the conspiracy theory side of this thing. And, you know, look, and, and, and I see the division because I see, you know, some people calling out, well, you're, you're believing everything the government's telling you. It doesn't matter whether I believe everything the government's telling me or not. I also don't believe in every in, in every conspiracy theory. I don't. This wasn't manufactured in a lab, as far as I can tell. I mean, this is now. I will say that there have been sicknesses, viruses, disease that have been weaponized that were naturally occurring, but were weaponized anyway. Smallpox that was naturally occurring, but you know what? Handing out uh, infected blankets with the intention of killing people or allowing tuberculosis to to go unchecked in residential schools that was intentional now the disease didn't have to be manufactured anthrax they didn't have to be all this stuff didn't have to be manufactured in a lab by by government you know uh biologists you know to be to be weaponized is this virus um this this covid nineteen is it going to be weaponized uh not in the way that you people think. I, will it be used socially? Will it be? Will it be used? And is it being used now to to promote racism? Damn right it is. That's, that's why you have an entire news network that can't say the word Corona without putting the word China Chinese in front of it. Why? Because they're trying to they're trying to promote racism. The fact that some of the the worst plagues in in the history of mankind came out of Europe. It's going to be ignored. And, and the fact that the plague that I'm talking about, the plague of assimilation and, and, um, and imperialism, that came out of Europe too. More people have, yeah. And I, I know we can get into a whole, a whole lot of comparisons about how many people died of this disease, that disease, you know, this flu, that flu. But I'm going to tell you right now, more people have died from human beings killing each other in war and by mistreatment and racism We've got, you know, 5,000 missing and murdered indigenous women. This, these, that is something that is, is absolutely man-made. The, the, the construct of good versus evil, that is a man-made thing. The fact that we, we even explain the difference between something that's natural and man-made. We know that if it's made by man, it's not natural. 
Why? Because they're in conflict with each other. So I'm not going to get into the into the, all the conspiracy theories associated with with COVID nineteen. I'm saying, look, if if that's what you're into, why don't you look at at at, at what we're doing um, as it relates to what I'm calling <laughs> the 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 plague of assimilation. And I'm not saying we got to go back 200 years or 500 years. But how many of us are so willing to buy into other aspects of this thing only to sit there and call down others uh, for being uh, sellouts? There's a, there's a lot that we could do. You know, with, with school shutting down, I did a show a couple of weeks ago and uh, my my viewership dropped off dramatically. When, when I'm talking about getting our asses kicked by cops or kicking, you know, or, or this being victimized or uh, or shutting down this or shutting down that, yeah, I'll get listeners then, viewers then. But when I talk about our kids, I, I guess I put a bunch of people to sleep. And I know what I'm talking about here is not. It, it doesn't breed the kind of information, the, the the scandalous conspiracies that people want to jump on. I don't. This isn't about the man and and COVID nineteen. What this is is about is what are we going to do as native people? And it's and there is a bit of a reset going on here. We we all have something to learn. How do native people respond to what's happening in the world as it relates to this to this disease, this pandemic? Look, I've been saying for a couple of years, and and I'm, and I'm not trying to sound prophetic because this is actually going to tarnish my my <laughs> any claim to being a prophet here. <laughs> but I've been saying for years there is the possibility of of a huge breakdown because of climate change. One, which is you know many people agree with that, you know, but everybody always thinks that's far enough away, right? An economic crash. I mean, what happened in two thousand eight? was was significant but if the same thing happened and and it may be happening now <laughs> uh, if the same thing happens today the biggest concern people have has to do with credit why because the global economy is running on credit nobody has there isn't enough ca- uh, cash or currency in the world to support the level of commerce that exists in the world so and and again, and th- that matters. It does matter. I mean, because X's and O's on a computer oftentimes are all all t- tied with um or the or the decimal points, and then all the numbers on a, on a on your balance sheets or whatever. A lot of that is credit. It is, it's not real money. I mean, there's the, this is the difference between something having value and something being um being able to liquidate. You know, be, being liquid, as they say. I mean, you can have something that you think has a great deal of value, but if nobody's, nobody's there to buy it, then that value just goes away. It doesn't. The thing that you have doesn't go away. So, so the economy is is really really fragile. And now that we've done so much to to, to drum up what we call the global economy, it's even more vulnerable. So we've got climate change. We have economy. We also have political unrest, global conflicts. I mean, the potential for you know for for all kinds of, of violence, whether it's the, the Middle East or whether it's you know uh, uh, Eastern uh, Eastern Europe, the the threats you know that U.S. and others keep making in South America, and these are this is like war here that that that's always a risk. But e- even within countries, you have this nationalism, racism that's playing out. 
So you you have political unrest, you have you know global conflict, you've got uh, economic threats, and then you have climate change. I never even factored in a pandemic. Honestly, I, I never it never even entered my mind. But just as I said, those four things all connect. This pandemic is showing how it's the fifth wheel that I forgot all about. This has the potential to cause global conflict by by drumming up more racism and hatred. This has the the, uh, the potential to, to kill an economy. the The stock market has dropped, uh, has gone back to, has wiped out three years of gain that took place during the Trump administration. Not because, but during the Trump administration, I should say, that wiped out three years of gain. You know what? That doesn't matter to me either because I don't own any stock. <laughs> but if you're going to cause it, call it an indicator, that's an indicator of something really, really unsteady about the, the U.S., not the, just the U.S., but the global economy. It has the potential to cause conflicts within, you know, uh, within an area. Trust me, people have to stay home and can't make money, and they're dependent. All of a sudden, the, this idea of socialism sounds a little bit better now than it did, than it did a couple of weeks ago, even to, to the redneck right. But it's the kind of thing that's going to breed, you know, breed hostility. They're still battling over whether whether the United States should should cancel food stamps or not, and that has racial overtones to it. It shouldn't, but it does. This is going to get ugly. It's going to get uglier before it gets prettier. But it's all predictable. But I got to come back to to asking the same question: Where do we, where do we play into this? That's the question. All right, hey, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we're going to take a break, come back, and I'm going to, I don't know, just rage on some more, I guess. <laughs> this is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be back in a few. There you go. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises, uh, the folks at Grand River Enterprises, and I want to thank uh, the folks at Cat Res Smoke Shops and Gas Stations. Um, again, uh, your sponsorship, your your help each week or each month um, really helps us do the show. And look, we're just trying to have a conversation here. And there are many of you that have all kinds of ideas about COVID-19. Uh, somebody messaged me about 5G. Look, you can, people are free to believe or think or buy into any um, theory. And I know people hate the, uh, when, you say, when you say conspiracy theory. Look, there are some conspiracy theories that are true. I mean, there are some some conspiracies that really did happen. Not everything is like, you know, tinfoil hat stuff, okay? But, uh, look, it is, I am fairly confident that, that this coronavirus, this crown virus, just so, just so people understand why I made the, the, the comparison here, this crown virus, this COVID-19 occurred naturally. It, you know, it didn't get, it wasn't because of something. Well, I'm not saying it occurred naturally, but it may have been caused by man. But I'm going to tell you why. Because they pretty much attributed this disease to what they call the wet markets of uh, of China. Now, if you don't know what a wet market is, 
there's nothing wrong with people eating bats or anything else in wildlife. But when you start herding people into, into these massive population centers, see, the problem isn't what they're eating, but how they're eating it, how they're storing it. So if you're going to bring wildlife killed or captured wildlife and bring it all into these tight areas so you just defied nature you just defied the 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 whole look you can get lyme disease from a from a deer tick it doesn't mean you can't eat a deer okay but if you surround yourself with a bunch of deer and you start hurting them all in together live or you know whether they're they're killed or not you're gonna probably bring a lot more deer ticks to you so if you bring these huge markets because you've just packed in 6 million people into a smaller area, 60 million in the surrounding area, and that's what, that's what exists in China. And so now you've got people who are bringing in, you know, um, hunted and captured, trapped wildlife, all kinds of wildlife. And I have no problem with, with people having a diverse diet. So anybody who's going to say, well, people shouldn't eat bats. Well, you know what? Should people eat lambs? I mean, should they should they eat fish? I mean, I mean, I don't. You, so some birds you can eat, and other birds you can't. I mean, you can eat chicken and turkey, but you don't touch what, um, you know, eagles and buzzards. I mean, I don't know. I mean, seagulls. So I don't know, or, or parrots, or parakeets, or lovebirds, or you know, parrots, or whatever you want to call. It. I mean. <sighs> If you bring in all of this wildlife, and then you've got you know, both both killed and uh, live wildlife all in one area, there's a good chance that that um, that there could be an evolution and a mutation in a in a uh, in a virus, and that's probably where this thing came from. Now, is it man? Is it caused by man? Sure, I believe it is. Maybe this wouldn't have existed in this same way. It wouldn't have made the evolutionary jump, the the mutation, if it wasn't if man didn't jam all of these things into these giant wet markets in in China, and not just there. I mean, it's the same thing. I, I mean, dying of eating romaine lettuce. Romaine lettuce should not be something that is, that is a health risk. But if you spray crap on it. On the fields, so if you're going to take you know animal feces and you in the way that uh, that it's been used to to um, fertilize these fields, I mean if you if you get E. coli, E. coli is not is not naturally occurring on a romaine leaf, a romaine lettuce leaf. It's not. But you look at what's happening in in, in places where the pig farming in in the southeast. They take this, these, they take this pig manure, and they spray it into the air, over these fields. There are people who have to live and smell, and they can't hang their clothes outside. They're literally breathing in fecal matter. A pig should not be a health hazard, as an animal. But if you do this kind, of, if man does these kind of things, so yeah, so man is somewhat responsible. It's not about bioengineering necessarily. But I'll tell you, disease is not evil. Disease doesn't have this whole good versus evil construct. Cancer, I hate cancer. I've lost loved ones to cancer. And I've lost loved ones to diabetes. I hate these diseases. But they're neither good nor evil. They just are. But they are. It. You know what? Man has a role in these things. I'm not saying man created them intentionally to be evil. But you know what? 
the the good versus evil construct is only a man-made thing evil only exists in man yeah i'm sorry it that that it is what it is it doesn't exist in nature if a tsunami kills a quarter of a million people the day after christmas in 2004 that's a terrible tragedy but you know the the earthquake that caused it wasn't good or evil it just happened but if you pack if man puts that that volume of people there on the shores and places them in in a in a vulnerable situation if you pack millions of people into a small area nature didn't do that you did that now don't get me wrong we as native people i talked about this on my show in new york uh uh, uh regan called me out for for condemning cities you want native people to city. yeah we did we made the same mistake the europeans did and other cities did we made the same man is not that unique we did some of those same things we built Chihokia and chichen itza machu, um, uh, machu picchu we, we built all that stuff they weren't great i mean they look they 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 demonstrate our advancement in in intelligence and you know in design and that kind of stuff but you know what the idea of packing a, a big population to a small area it causes disease it causes social it, it causes hierarchy and and it causes a, a lot of um uh animosity it depletes the resources in an entire area so now you've got massive amounts of people trying to grab more resources which causes more conflict look the idea of living in cities and for the first time in human history more people in on on the planet live in cities than live in in rural areas so this trend is going to continue folks and so what happens the people in the cities are are really really vulnerable and that's what that's what's playing out with the, with with COVID nineteen, and the people in the cities. The plagues of Europe, they didn't they didn't occur in the countryside. Why did they have, the plagues of Europe happen? Because they were throwing sewage in the streets. Man did that. Many of the cancers that we battle today have to do with the stuff that we eat, the cancer causing agents that we consume or breathe in, the the fact that we contaminate our water, our air, our land. We paint our walls with this stuff that we turns out, yeah, you know, if you chew on that paint chips, which I don't know why people chew on paint chips, but if you chew on it, that it's, it's gonna, it, you get lead poisoning. All of the infrastructure that we build gets contaminated. The reason that they don't have clean water in Flint, Michigan is because of the infrastructure failing. Because we have to have infrastructure to, to, you know, to support that kind, those kinds of populations. So, the nature responds to what man does so whether it's this isn't just about crispr and genetic engineering and and all that other stuff no this is nature responding to the fact that we're throwing things out of whack so i i just i think it's important that people understand that that we have we have we are culpable even if we 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 are intentionally doing these destructive things we understand i mean the assumption has always been that yeah we could be destructive because nature cleans itself the the air will will purify itself the water will purify no it doesn't it does to a certain extent but we keep going well past what nature has been able to do for millions of years which is adjust to you know whether it's you know emissions from a volcano or, or what happens when an asteroid hits the planet whatever 
we're trying to we are more devastating to the planet as a, as a species as man man is than than some of these other really really you know monumental you know, occurrences so what happens here well the systems are going to fail you know, somebody. I just had somebody pull me aside in New York. He wanted to talk. He wanted to talk to me twice, and he, and he he was really hell bent on on trying to get me to a place to accept that eventually divine intervention has to happen. I said, no, this is the problem. The problem is man thinks that they are somehow special and separated from nature. This divine intervention isn't going to happen, but the the course of nature changes. Now is is COVID nineteen you know the nature's way not just payback, not payback, bitch. No, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about here. It's not karma, but it, and so it's not it's not really you know a, an intentional um, depopulation effort. But if you do certain things in a certain way, you create the opportunity to, for for devastating diseases to, to occur. I, I would bet that a lion's share of, of diseases that have plagued man in the last 100 years, 200 years, we'll, we'll go back to the Spanish flu or whatever else. I mean, I mean even, even things like the bird flu and swine flu, would they, would they have occurred if we weren't like messing with, <laughs> with, with, uh, with, with chickens and with, and with pigs? I don't know. I mean... <clears throat> But the idea that we feel like we've got to defy nature in the way that we live and we have to bend nature to our will, nature isn't paying back, but, but nature doesn't work that way. How does nature work? It works with, I mean, it, it, if you stress something, then something happens with that stress. So you can have, you know, floods you can have famine. You can have drought. You can have disease. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we do have some space between us. Unfortunately, our behavior is as bad as anybody else on the planet. We do the same things, but we don't have to. I've said it all along. If we want to be ungwe ungwe, we better figure out some unwe unwe solutions for our future. Because just buying into the systems the way they exist right now and being de- so dependent on them. Look, if we don't know how to cook soup, if we think cooking soup means you open up the can and you put it on the electric range and you heat it up or you throw it in a plastic bowl in your microwave, if that's your idea of cooking soup, man, you're vulnerable. If you don't know what to eat or how to, if you don't, if you if you can't, you know, hunt or grow your food, and I'm not saying that everybody, I'm not saying everybody has to, but if you can't, you're going to be dependent on somebody else. So if you're dependent on the meat that you eat that that's going to come from some corporate farm someplace where they're injecting it with antibiotics and they're injecting it with steroids and they're injecting it with all kinds of stuff so they can get a bigger return on their investment in their in their cattle or in their in their pigs or in their chickens or whatever else then you're inviting that whole thing into your system all of that 
If you're going to buy romaine lettuce that, that has E. coli on it, that E. coli is not going to get to you unless you, unless you take it in and consume it. Now, I'm not saying we've, we have to live in a vacuum, you know, and we have to isolate ourselves. We don't have to isolate ourselves. We already have a certain amount of isolation, but we don't even know how to use that to, to protect ourselves. I mean, we, honestly, we envy what wealthy white people have. We envy what wealthy black people have. So we want the same stuff. But you know what? Even as we get it, we don't get any happier. The quality of our lives don't improve. We can live in a house just like theirs. We can drive their same car. We can consume all the same stuff. And you know what? why it doesn't make us happy? Because it doesn't make them happy either. They just want more stuff. I mean, the reason that Donald Trump kept trying to reject this COVID-19 thing, he didn't want it to affect his, his economy. His one claim that he could say, look, I've done it right. Look at the stock market's high. Our unemployment numbers are low. He avoids the whole conversation about income disparity. When the Twin Towers collapsed, George Bush told people to go out and shop. He literally told people, this is the way you defeat the terrorists. You don't let the terrorists win by going out and shop. Really? Look, I, I'm always telling people, you can't vote and you pray, pray your, your way out of this. You can't shop your way out of this stuff either. And we, as Native people, we better look to within ourselves and look, to within, look within our own culture. And, and, you know, look, I'm not saying that the past seven generations made every good decision. They sure didn't. We're, we're in a bit of a mess because of people who came before, between, before us. We're not the first ones to, to, to want to throw on a, a, a uniform and, and, and f- try to get some acceptance from the U.S. government or the Canadian government. No, we're not the first ones. Our parents did it. Our grandparents did it. You go back a, much farther than our great-grandparents, and now you find out that we're fighting against those very things. But we're not the first generation to, to, to want to do this. We're not the first people to live in a city. Our people built cities. And, and we learn from that experience. But we don't seem to learn from, from this assimilation. So can we? Can, can we learn from this? Can we see, as some of these systems fail, that we should stop defending, depending on? I know there's a whole lot of people in the world who cannot. They don't have a choice. They have to depend on these systems. If you live in a city of 10 million people, like in New York, you, you do have to vote and pray that, that something's going to fix it. Because where are you going to go? There's a whole lot of people in some of these areas in, throughout the world where they have... Look, in the United States, there's only a couple of cities that have, you know, 5 million plus. You know, you've got Houston, you've got Chicago, you've got uh, New York, and you have got Los Angeles. But you look in the rest of the world, there are places in China where, or South America even, Mexico City, Lagos, Nigeria, some of the cities in China, you've got populations that are jammed in. India, Jake and I were talking about this. Man, I'll tell you, I don't know what the, what's stopping you know a huge pandemic 
from from striking there again and and then reaching out to the rest of the world i mean you've got people that are packed into these tight little areas just a breeding ground for for virus and disease and I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you our communities are not like that our, our communities may not be i'm not saying that we've got great sanitation on our territories and we i'm not saying we've got great infrastructure but i'm saying maybe that's not a terrible thing maybe we've got to figure out a different way you know one of the things that i was so encouraged about the Wet'suwet'en fight struggle was the idea that some people says no we've got to go back and live in the bush we've got to go back to living at the shores of that clean water our clean lakes our clean rivers we've got to and and not not everybody moved to the same spot but we better look at our territories and realize that we need we can't live in some cramped up canadian constructed village that you know that where we're strangling ourselves living in poverty suicide rates through the roof crime ridden and and we look at that uh, at that little crappy village that we're living in and we're thinking no the only solution for our own success and happiness is to leave our territories and they they'll go right by the most beautiful lands and uh, you know on the planet because they don't even look at that being there they look at that village being what they were grow- what they grew up in look we've got some of the most abject poverty that you that you could imagine on some of our native territories and yet we still have some beautiful land holdings but we've almost divorced ourselves from nature instead we're confined i mean look even even here i mean i, I live in cataraugus and although it's not um urbanized by any means there are still there's still a lot of land that you know there's some there's some beautiful places that when you when you walk you get off the beaten path you realize how beautiful i'm not saying we all have to live in every every beautiful spot but some people, if they didn't have a, a an ATV, a four-wheeler to take them to, they would never even go there on foot. One of the beautiful things, you know, you know that I, I see happen when, when somebody comes from, who's not familiar with the area, they uh, will sometimes be taken down to the river to show um, some of the, the, the strange phenomena that exists where you have natural gas percolating and you can actually make flames dance across the water. You, you know, uh, and... Although that's not probably the greatest natural phenomenon in the world, it, at least it shows that we still have an appreciation for that natural phenomenon. Look, I joke in a way by calling out COVID-1492. It's not a crown-shaped virus. It is a crown-caused plague. It's, it was the Christian nations of Europe who, in their own self-interest, decided that they could, they could just take over land. And part of their justification was because they believed that their belief system, their faith, their, their religion was right and anything else was wrong and they could characterize anybody who didn't believe what they believed as their enemies, just based on belief. And that's look. That's not unique to to the you know the doctrine of Christian discovery. Most much of the racism and the hatred that exists in the world is is that has that same foundation. You're not different. You're different than me. You don't believe what I believe in, so I hate you. You're my enemy. Look, does that sound harsh? Well, that's what the Bible promoted. 
And look, and you can say, well, the doctrine of Christian discovery wasn't, isn't, you know, isn't really a Christian. Yes, it is. Yeah, no, it's supported by Scripture, Old Testament, more so the New Testament. It's supported by by Scripture, folks. There's a lot of hate in that book, and there's a whole lot of thing. There's a whole lot of the chosen ones versus the unchosen ones. This whole idea of the enemies of Christ. Yeah, there were popes that promoted that concept, but they didn't invent it. Maybe the first ones did. I don't know as they were constructing the Bible in the first place. So, and it's not the Bible per se. It was the monarchs that were bound to it and who utilized it. Look, I say this all the time. God didn't create man. Man created God. Man created these religions and these religious beliefs in Christianity, just like the other two religions of Abraham. We're meant to control people. And to some extent, console people, I guess. You know, give them faith that things will work out in the long run. But even that is a control strategy. The meek shall inherit the earth. So be be meek. You're going to inherit the earth. So be meek. Don't rebel. This is what uh, this is why uh, there's an irony in that this this virus that is this current pandemic global pandemic is called the coronavirus and the word corona is is the word for a crown because when I think about the crowns of Europe those Christian nations of Europe they they've been responsible for a lot of death and we're all going to wage war on a virus, but we won't wage war against racism and prejudice. And we won't accept a fact. And it is a fact, because you can look across all, all, all of uh, nature. Evil is man-made. So what are we going to do to fight that? Do we have to fight man to fight evil? Or, I mean, look... I, and I, I got to go back to the to the Kyuga stuff. People who are related to each other don't want to make peace. They still want to fight each other. They don't even want to. They don't even want to embrace each other. And that's just a a microcosm of what exists within people who are even more different than the than the Kyugas looking across the, uh, at each other. We better figure out how we um, put some of that smoke back in a bottle. Because what, what man has unleashed in terms of trying to create this idea of a battle between good versus evil, we've, we've never, we can't, get, we can't seem to get back on top of it. Because nature doesn't play that game. Nature doesn't play that game. COVID-19 isn't evil. COVID-1492 that's evil. Look, I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep banging it out here. We'll be back here on Tuesday. Um, I can't guarantee that I'm not gonna make some sort of coronavirus reference on Tuesday. Uh, that seems to be one of the things that that drives a lot of the conversation. And I just wanted to have a different conversation, a little different conversation, um, 
and still make it relevant to what we're all dealing with. So uh, we'll see you back here on Tuesday. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh. Thank you.